0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with another edition of the Podcast of the Immortals on the long, bumpy road to WrestleMania 36. A bit of a unique situation this week, as we are going to discuss the go-home edition of Raw and some of the top WWE news items on the way to WrestleMania 36 today, along with an exclusive interview with the Monday Night Messiah himself, Seth Rollins. Absolutely thrilled to have Seth as the first of many guests here on Getting Over. Coming up later this week is an ultimate preview to WrestleMania 36 on Thursday. You are not going to want to miss that. In between, of course, we will break down NXT and AEW, those Wednesday shows, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. It's going to be a quick episode we're not going to let you miss those big shows as we preview WrestleMania 36. And don't forget, you guys know it's coming. The famous instant analysis of WrestleMania 36 on Sunday night, immediately after day two of this show comes to an end. But first, you know it's that most wonderful time of the year. That's right. It's five-star review season. It's off and running. And there's no better time to drop us at five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this program don't forget leave some words along with your review and follow us on twitter at getting for immediate notification of every show release and plenty of wrestling news and talk in between speaking of wrestling talk let's get to it with our featured interview of wrestlemania week seth rollins i spoke to seth late last week and he provided some really interesting insight on what this coronavirus pandemic has been like for wwe superstars Um, He also discussed his career roller coaster over the last 12 months, what to expect from his match against Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, and his love of coffee. Yes, that's how we conclude the interview. So check it out right now, and be sure to stay tuned after the interview for our breakdowns of SmackDown, Raw, and all the WWE news, including Roman Reigns pulling out of WrestleMania 36, leading into WWE's biggest show of the year.
1: And away we go. All right, absolutely thrilled to welcome four-time WWE world champion and the man now known as the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, to Getting Overs. Seth will be fighting Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 36 on either Saturday, April 4th, or Sunday, April 5th. After all, folks, it is too big for one night, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. Seth, I can only imagine how much of a roller coaster the last 12 months has been for you, but particularly now with this unprecedented situation uh that's going on globally. How are you, Becky, in the locker room, you know, holding up through everything that's going on right now?
2: I think just like the rest of the world now, I think we're all just trying to make the best of it. I think um, you know, one, we're extremely fortunate uh, to have jobs um that are that are still, you know, allowing us to do work. Um when it comes to WWE, that's that's extremely important. Also, very fortunate in these trying times to be able to have the opportunity to come to work and sort of a sense of gratitude kind of around what we're doing right now that uh, maybe we don't have when we do this stuff sort of week to week and we go through the motion. Um, and so yeah, I man, we're just trying to make the best of it and trying to, you know, uh, see this thing through as best we can.
1: You know, I think a lot of fans are curious right now how you guys are managing to keep running TV and obviously, you know, WrestleMania 36 uh, is coming up, you know, not to get too into the weeds, but what exactly is your situation right now? Are you guys all like staying in a hotel in Orlando long-term? Are you flying in each week? You know, how has this been working out for you and the other superstars?
2: Um, so everybody's case is different, obviously. Uh, we, uh, we spent some time in Orlando, uh, Buck and I, you know, had a, we had a little bus that we are basically it's a mini little hotel room essentially inside there that we had bus outside the performance center. Uh and, and we're just we were there, you know, for the uh, for the duration and so um basically just trying to get as much content filmed as we can, um and get it turned out, uh, you know, so that... So that we don't have to be traveling and don't have to be doing this, uh, because we don't know what the future is going to look like. You know, we don't know, uh, what the next couple months are going to bring if this thing going to get worse before it gets better. And so, um, you know, we're trying to take as, as much precaution as we can moving forward, uh, as a company to try to keep this thing, um, if, you know, this process as safe as possible for everybody involved. Um, and it's, it's very interesting, you know, to, to see see all the, uh, you know, there's, there's hand sanitizer and lysol wipes everywhere and the, the canvas is getting changed after every single match now. You know, it's just, it's everything is getting white now. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird experience to do pro wrestling this way, but, um, it's certainly necessary to keep us healthy and to keep anybody that we may come in contact with healthy. So, uh, I know now, um, a lot of the guys are talking about just Basically, self quarantine for a couple of weeks after you know leaving Orlando, sure that they don't uh, you know give it to anybody else. And so, even if they don't you know have symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, just just as a precautionary measure. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy, man. We're uh, we're doing everything we can to still hold wrestling shows and still do it as safely as we can.
1: Yeah, I think fans are, you know, certainly extremely appreciative that you guys are, are doing what you're doing. You know, WWE, certainly, and, and another wrestling company, of course, are, are really the only new live content that people are getting right now. Um, So it's certainly, you know, appreciated from everyone. I did mention how crazy this last year has been for you. And I think, honestly, where you've landed has been, you know, arguably the best role of your WWE career. And it's only been a couple of months. Uh, and you've certainly had a lot of different roles already. You know, it's clearly a bit of an exaggerated take on what I can only believe were some real feelings that you had coming out of that feud with The Fiend. How have you developed this Monday Night Messiah role, and how much more comfortable do you feel doing this version of Seth Rollins?
2: Um, you know, I think that it's funny you say it's just, you know, the best version of me right you now, the best version of my career is I'm just waiting for six months. So now when everyone's talking about how awful and boring it is, <laughs> change it again. Um no, no, it's, uh, it's fun only because I'm allowed to have a chip on my shoulder. I think, you know, being, uh, in the big guy superhero role sort of takes the chip off your shoulder a little bit. And especially, you know, you know, my story uh, in that in that character, it sort of run its course. You know, I I I climbed the mountain. You know, I beat Brock Lesnar. I won the uh, the title. And so, um, when you're sitting at the top of the game, you know, you, it's hard to have a chip on your shoulder uh, from a from a good guy perspective, I suppose. And so, to uh, transition into what I'm doing now, uh, it wasn't something that um, was, was fun right out of the gate, but I think that. The more I've gotten to go out and, you know, uh, speak my mind on certain issues uh, and tell my version of the truth, I think it's been a very interesting, made for some interesting television and uh, certainly given me a new new lease on life when it comes to my WWE character. And so uh, I'm enjoying it now. And I'm enjoying um, bringing AOP and Murphy along in the process, uh, you know, working with um I would tag teams like the Viking Raiders and Street Profits and, and elevating their uh, clout as well. And so, uh you know, it, I think it's helped more than just me, and I think that's the uh, the important part.
1: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, elevating other teams and other people along with you, because for the last five or so months, really since the new TV deal kind of got knocked into place, I've seen what I feel to be kind of a significant change on Raw compared to maybe how things were run before. It just feels like There's maybe a little bit more freedom. Uh, A really good example, certainly, is your promo for Monday night, which I know uh, is getting a lot of praise, and certainly I thought it was tremendous, as did a lot of the listeners to this podcast, Um, and certainly you know, maybe one of the best of your career. Am I imagining things that Raw just feels like it's more free, a little bit different, and what would you say has been the catalyst, if so?
2: Well, I think it's been, um, you know, there's been some... Talent that have had a bit more of a lease, a lease to to say and do things and have our own input um, in what we want to do and how we want to do it. And then you look at a lot of uh, other guys just kind of stepping up. Um, I mentioned my crew and I mentioned the teams that I was working with. But you, you know, you look at someone like Alistair Black. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've added you know Shayna Baszler into the mix as well uh, on the ladies' side you know, thrust Rhea Ripley into the spotlight as well, and so you just got a, a mix of a lot of new talent, people slowly starting to, you know, carve their little places that were uh, under, underutilized before that, and so um, I think it's just a sign kind of the times, you know, we needed to move forward, Um, we needed to, to get out of doing this, the same old thing, and, and you're seeing guys uh, and girls with opportunities to try to step up uh, and make some waves, and so, um, you know, I think that that's a good sign for the future, and and I don't know if there's one catalyst in particular. I think maybe it's just, um, you know, there's there's something, you know, it's WrestleMania season that helps. People are getting really excited, um, but I think people just see the writing on the wall. They see some openings. Um, you know, after the the roster split, after it was like a clean split, and we stopped. You know, moving guys back and forth. He's, there are a lot of spaces on or off for people to step up and, and fail TV time. And so, um, people who have taken that opportunity, they've taken the ball and run with it.
1: Yeah. And I think Murphy certainly is one of those. Was he someone who you kind of pushed for to get added to this group faction, you know, that you've developed? Or is that something that maybe came from somewhere else? Because, you know, he in his feud with Alistair Black was certainly doing great. Anyone that watched him ever on 205 live saw that potential. But it's really just now that he's getting these opportunities with you that I think it's really shining through.
2: Yeah, I mean, Murphy the guy is guy who's extremely talented in the ring. We've all known that for, you know, a couple of years now, but he hasn't gotten the opportunity to, uh, get much spotlight. And so I think that, you know, sitting next to me every single week and, and seeing what it takes to be, you know, the top guy on Monday Night Raw. Uh, is it, going to accelerate his his learning curve uh, exponentially. I think that he's got so much to offer, and he hasn't truly found out who he is just yet. And I think, like I said, being in this group and getting the confidence to know that he can go out there and uh, you know be in three, four, five different uh, stories and segments. Uh, on a, a three-hour broadcast every week uh, is going to give him a lot of confidence and he's really going to start to figure out his own voice. And once he finds that, you know, the sky's the limit. And so uh, I'm looking forward to, to helping him out. He's a student of the game. He asks a lot of questions. He wants to get better, uh, you know, and I think the, the sky really is the limit for what he can accomplish moving forward here.
1: No, no question about it. I actually got a chance just last night to watch that FCW documentary on the network. And at the very end, uh, you mentioned a time where you were pretty frustrated with your role and had to have a sit-down, you know, with Triple H. Now you're one of the top guys on the WWE roster, four-time world champion, as we've mentioned. And I have to imagine, you know, some of your coworkers may see you as someone that they can come to with similar frustrations or concerns. Um, what do you say to them? How do you even manage those feelings yourself these days now that you have so much experience and so much knowledge, you know, being in a top role in WWE?
2: Well, I think it's important that um, no matter what level you're at, you understand that you're not the only one kind of going through those those growing pains, so to speak. I think that that's from top to bottom, and a lot of that just has to do with the type of personality it takes to succeed in our world. And, and you have to be a go-getter, and you have to learn more for yourself. Uh, you know, if you want to be complacent and stay in the same place, then you're probably not going to run into a lot of those issues that I ran into uh when I was down in Florida Championship Wrestling. Um, and so I think, you know, if they see something like a documentary where I'm talking about how I went through a lot of the same things that they may be going through right now, it's easy for them to go, oh, wow, I, I just figured, you know, I've had it easy the whole time, you know, or, you know, you, you don't ever think that other people are, are going through some of that same stuff or have gone through it. So, really shed light on that and, and know that they can come to me and talk to me uh, and to try to be a leader and let them know that, like, how you feel right now is how, not always how you're going to feel uh, mm-hmm. is very important. And I'm not, not just as a, as a wrestler, but in life. And uh, and so, I hope that um, I can be a mentor, you know, in. in in our industry for guys, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do is why I started my wrestling school was try to, you know, prepare the future for the next phase of the business as opposed to, um, you know, worrying about what I'm doing right now. So, um, if I can leave the, the future bright, then, uh, you know, I feel like I've made a contribution to our industry.
1: Definitely. Now, Seth, it is WrestleMania season and the match you have coming up with Kevin Owens uh, next weekend, Saturday, uh, April 4th or Sunday, April 5th. It's been building, you know, for quite a while, a couple months on WWE TV. And I'm not totally sure you realize this or not, but it's also just a couple months short of 10 years from when you guys fought for the title in Ring of Honor. So what does this match in particular mean to you? And do you ever sit back and look, whether with Kevin or, or just separately individually, uh, on how far that you guys have come in this industry?
2: Yeah, you know, Kevin and I have uh very parallel careers. Um, we've crossed paths so many times in so many different places. Um, you know, we came up the same way, just two kids who really love professional wrestling but two different parts of the world. And we also have two different uh mindsets uh when it comes to, you know, uh work ethic and stuff like that. You know, we do things in different ways, Kevin and I and and I've been hard on him. Um throughout his career and throughout our paths crossing, um and trying to help him out and and um, you know, he's gotten gotten to this point, um, in spite of me in some ways. And so uh, I think there's a lot of story there, there's a lot of history to play on. I, I was unaware that it has uh, been ten years since our our uh Green of Honor championship match. That's pretty interesting. But um yeah, I think this WrestleMania one is really uh, it's very special. You know, we've had some We've had some, uh, some clashes here in WWE that have been pretty memorable. Some moments together here that I do think this one's gonna take the cake just in the sense that, you know, one of the things is we're in the performance center and, and, you know, Kevin said it a lot when he challenged me to this match and I said a lot of it when I, you know, talked to him, uh, last Monday on Raw. It's just, there's a lot of history that has to do with the performance center and with NXT and, and fcw and and our upbringing in wwe and so uh the fact that we're gonna kind of settle the score that's been brewing since november um in the performance center with just the two of us there and no audience it's gonna be i i think it might add a level of intensity that uh you know would be missing if we were doing it somewhere else so it's gonna be interesting man i'm really looking forward to seeing seeing how, how it pans out
1: for sure. Now, Seth, I'll get you out of here on this. You recently uh, helped open a coffee shop nine or sorry, 392 V port in your home state of Iowa in Davenport. Uh, what is your coffee order? And when you're on the road, are you like forcing Becky to go to like the little boutique coffee shops? Or can you walk into a Starbucks or go to a gas station and get a normal cup of black coffee? What is this uh, situation with you and coffee? And, uh, you know, how, how much do you absolutely love it? And you know what? What kind of role does it play with you?
2: That's hilarious. What is this situation?
1: <laughs> well, it's tough. You know, I don't know if I don't know if it's something that you did because it's like fun to open a coffee shop, or if you really like coffee. There's some people that I know. Cesaro is is a pretty huge fan of coffee. You know, some people are obsessed. So I'm not sure where it stands in your in your life.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love coffee. It's one of our go tos on the road. I definitely don't force her to do anything. She loves <laughs> good, good coffee as much as I do. Uh, you know, she's the one up on Yelp, uh, the night before searching for new coffee shops wherever we're at. So she, she might be more of a fiend for caffeine than I am. She gets like headaches if she doesn't have <laughs> caffeine, uh, quickly enough in the morning. Um, I'm not that bad. I love coffee. I love the taste of it. I, so I don't really drink it to the caffeine jolt. Like, so I don't have any desire to go into a gas station or a truck stop and get a cup of crappy coffee. Right. I like the experience of going to a, a great coffee shop and getting, each, you know, really good coffee. Uh, and my choice is, uh, an espresso. I, I like to get a, a, just a double shot of espresso and then also a cortado, which is a double shot of espresso, uh, with, uh, some, some steamed milk, uh, equal parts steamed milk. So it's like a little mini latte kind of, uh, but more on the coffee side than on the milk side. So, um, I actually get four shots every morning and, uh, I like to, to drink the espresso first because it's a little bitter, uh, kind of like a nice wine, but coffee. And then, uh, I, I drink the, the portado afterwards because it's nice and sweet and almost like a little dessert. And, well, uh, you- yes, I am a coffee snob and I have no training in I was
1: trying to, I was trying to get around to asking whether you were a coffee snob, but that's okay. Do you ever go iced or is it always hot coffee?
2: Uh, no, so, you know, coffee shops, uh, around the, the country are cool because they come up with these kind of weird little concoctions. Uh, and so, uh, if, if they have a cool ice drink, like, uh, you know, like a good espresso tonic or something like that, uh, I'm into it as well. I'm going to try and kind of interesting craft coffee drinks. So, um, yeah, I'll go cold if, it, if it's delicious.
1: Well, folks, that is Seth Rollins, coffee connoisseur, four-time WWE world champion and our first guest here on the getting over wrestling podcast. Seth really appreciate the time you can watch Seth face Kevin Owens Saturday, April 4th or Sunday, April 5th on the two night WWE WrestleMania 36 streaming live on WWE network. Beginning at 7 PM each night, Seth, thanks again for joining us.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thanks again to Seth Rollins for joining us as the first of many guests here on getting over, I know the audio quality on that was not pristine. We will get better in that area. Thanks again to Seth, and thanks to everyone for listening to that. Nevertheless, it was a fantastic interview. Thrilled that he took the time to speak to us. Okay, now on to the beef of the show. But before I get to everything that has gone on in WWE over the last week, I got to bring in our co-host today. You know him. You hopefully love him by now. Chris Vanini is back to talk all things WWE on this road to WrestleMania 36. Chris. Welcome back to the show. I know we both went through some internet issues over the last few hours trying to get this thing started, so I'm glad you're here with us.
3: Yep, good to be here, taking the hot tag and uh, ready to fire up the crowd here.
0: All right, so with that, let's jump into the main event. And the main event this week, folks, it's really just one topic. Roman Reigns, the biggest, most pushed superstar in WWE, pulling out of the biggest, Most advertised show in WWE, WrestleMania 36. You know, there is a lot to unpack here with Reigns stepping out of this show. Um, You know, I think we'd be remiss not to kind of break it all down before we give our thoughts on him pulling out and what WWE has decided to do going forward here. Certainly, Roman, you know, Joe Anoy, the real human, the man, uh, he's immunocompromised due to leukemia he had it certainly when he was younger he certainly came back um you know about a year ago a little bit over a year ago i guess 16 months or so he beat both you know he's in remission and and that's fantastic um and that kind of puts him in a unique situation here dealing with the coronavirus pandemic and all of the concerns that everyone has regarding that uh you know this was reported late last week uh first by pro wrestling sheet then confirmed by espn Reigns himself just confirmed it on his Instagram Monday, and he seemed to indicate that this decision went beyond just his health. Uh, and Michael P.S. Hayes actually just tweeted on Tuesday, right before we recorded this show, he kind of confirmed the same thing. Roman has twins, um, and he also has some elderly people living at his home. So there are concerns beyond just will he get sick, but will others in his family get sick? Obviously, no matter whether you th- agree with the decision or disagree with the decision, and honestly, I don't really know how you can disagree with it. Uh, it's a big blow for WWE. It's a big blow for WrestleMania. Um, I don't think there's an argument to that. But I do want to look at, Chris, the long-term ramifications of Roman's decision here. Because if we're looking at his career in WWE, particularly as a single star, since The Shield broke up the first time, it hasn't been smooth. Uh, you look at how WWE you know, brought up Steve Austin or The Rock or John Cena. And there were some Rocky, you know, pun not intended. um, There were some Rocky starts. We certainly had the ringmaster and Rocky Maivia and John Cena being basically just a plain dude uh, who had no no he had charisma, but he had no character. And all that eventually fixed itself. But Roman is really deep into his career now. Um, You know, they broke up the shield. He was already over with them. He was initially broken up. um, Sorry, he was initially over once they broke up. He got pushed to the moon too fast and too soon. He was built too strong. He was completely unbeatable. Looking back on it, I don't think any of his title wins or reigns have been particularly memorable. Um, You know, going into WrestleMania a couple of years ago, they chose not to put him over Brock Lesnar in the main event to his family's dismay, certainly to his dismay. It had been built up for a calendar year. It was obvious they were going to go in that direction. The fans booed him basically the entire year because it was so obvious and because WWE pushed him so hard. So Vince tried to swerve the fans by not just letting it happen at Mania. They then had an opportunity to put the title on him at Blood Money in the Sand in that it was either a steel cage or a Hell in a Cell match where the side collapsed and Brock actually, I mean, Roman actually touched first, which would have meant that he would have won. It must have been a steel cage now that I'm thinking about it. Um... And they decide not to go with what obviously happened. And they finally put him over Brock at SummerSlam, but they use Braun Strowman kind of interfering to take the heat off Reigns winning, which you shouldn't have heat when a face wins the title. So Reigns finally wins the title in this moment that WWE has been building to. Leukemia comes back. He has to relinquish the title. Uh, Luckily, he got really healthy, came back just a couple months after that, is, is now back in remission, which that's fantastic, obviously. Then he has a match with Drew McIntyre, funny enough, ironically enough, at WrestleMania 35. And, you know, Chris, you know, I don't know if you were listening to the other podcast at this time, but I was beating the drum for McIntyre to win that match because the whole point I thought would be, hey, let's have McIntyre win. It builds up Drew strong. Certainly in retrospect, it would have been the right decision um, and have Reigns fight back for 12 full months to regain himself and find the the greatness and the power and, and the the ability that he had lost, potentially, you know, due to taking some time off to recover from leukemia, a very serious real life illness, have him make that fight back and then win the title at WrestleMania 36. And now here we are uh, at WrestleMania 36. And it looked like that might culminate. And fit, to be fair, WWE, despite putting McIntyre over Reigns a year ago, I mean, I'm sorry, despite putting Reigns over McIntyre a year ago, WWE did spend the last 12 months doing a pretty good job. Um, building Reigns back up, getting him cheered. There's still a segment of the crowd that won't cheer for him, but I would say the majority of WWE fans these days will cheer for Roman Reigns and happily do so. And then this happens, the coronavirus pandemic hits and he pulls himself out of, uh, WrestleMania 36. So Chris, is there a recovery from this for Roman Reigns, the character, the superstar, um, we, we've we seen over and again WWE do the best they can to put him in these positions to succeed, to have that major moment, the thing that fans are going to remember and get behind him. And through no fault of his own, there just keep being all of these impediments. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe I don't want to say that this is the final straw. He's still extremely over with the crowd um, and, and he's still making a lot of money for the company and they love putting him. On posters and having him go to charity events and all these great things. But I'm starting to wonder if WWE is going to look in a different direction and kind of say, you know what, Roman's great for us, but he's not the next Steve Austin, The Rock, John Cena. We may need to find someone else for this role.
3: Well, going back to him stepping out of this, it kind of highlights what's kind of been hovering over all of this which is it's still kind of weird that everybody's wrestling while this is going on <laughs> I, I know it's i true. know they've I, I know they've done closed shows they're testing people as they're at least testing symptoms of people as they come in and uh i know they've pre-taped a bunch of stuff to 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 have it go out a little bit and aew has been doing the same and i, I in terms of and, and i think roman obviously made the right decision he his health, his family is more important than anything else. There's no doubt whatsoever what is most important here. But in terms of the character, it's kind of weird to say because, again, the health is the most important thing and that's primary above anything else. But when at least it comes from a storytelling standpoint, I actually as weird as this sounds, I think this might actually help him because it continues to humanize him the same way the battle with cancer did. The, the, The problem with Reigns as a character has always been his Struggle to connect and him deciding to step out on this, everybody knowing why he's doing it, I think is quite admirable. And I think we'll get more people to cheer him because of that. And as it relates to Goldberg, we've talked about it before. I was not interested in this feud, nobody really is. There's no crowd to get into it anyway. I don't think a win over Goldberg would have been some uh, shining moment for him. You've, you've talked about his previous title reigns that didn't have much staying power to them. And I think this would have been the same. So I don't think he loses a lot by not being in a match with Goldberg. And and from a character standpoint, I think it is as weird as it sounds and and meta as it is, I think it might help people continue to connect with him. And he's been used as a release to his future He's not a Stone Cold or a rock, but I think he can be a Triple H in that he's very high up in the wrestling world and maybe just doesn't cross over to pop culture as, as a megastar. Triple H is a guy that you put a good guy over to uh, to, to to raise his status. I mean, Roman, the last handful of years, has been the runner up or top three in the Royal Rumble two, three, four times almost. He He's his his main Successful role feels like a guy who gets somebody else over at the last minute when you think Roman's going to win. And that's not a bad place to be. And he can win his share of championship titles and and move forward with that. But in terms of where he is, I think that's where it goes. And in terms of his character, I think I actually think this could be helpful in terms of getting cheers. Not that that's the most important thing, but that's just kind of where I think it could go. So that's not a bad place to be. But, you know, remember, Triple
0: H was mostly or at least in the ways that you're talking about, mostly used as a heel. This is your company's top baby face, right? So you need that person. You don't need them to be John Cena, which is what they tried to make Roman Reigns, the guy who always wins, always overcomes adversity. And I'm okay with that not being the case, but you also can't have that person never succeed and, and never deliver when the plan is for them to deliver. And a lot of it Almost all of it is WWE's fault. I mean, you know, the way they built him, you know, for WrestleMania 34 was terrible. They overpushed him just like they had his entire career. Uh, It was so obvious they were going to go with Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns that entire year. And and Roman, I don't think, ever lost a feud. You know, over the last year, they've done such a great job building Roman Reigns. He didn't necessarily win every feud or even if he did, he struggled to do so. Did things go too long with the stuff with Baron Corbin? of course, absolutely. It's WWE. You know, we're not seeing their master bookers here, at least not these days. But they did a good job keeping titles off reigns, keeping him away from the title picture, allowing fans the opportunity to get on his side and cheer for him again. But at some point, it has to come into, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with us talking about this analytically. You know, From a health perspective, I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad he's you know overcome his second bout with leukemia and is in remission. This decision... If I was him, I would probably do the exact same thing. I wouldn't be competing in Mania, yep. not just not just because I, I would be in, in compromised, But if I have young kids at home, if I have elderly people staying with me the, on the off chance you bring something back, all of a sudden, everyone in your family gets sick. You cannot take that risk. So none of this is a criticism of the decision. It's, it's simply an analytical look at what is WWE going to do with him long term? Because it's OK to be the Triple H, like you're saying. Uh, it's OK to be Kurt Angle. You know, a guy who puts a lot of people over but can also get over himself at any given time. But WWE needs a rock. They need a Steve Austin. And one of their biggest problems over the last, you know, 10 years or so has been an inability to develop those top level stars. And and when they do have the opportunity to do that, they either don't see it, Daniel Bryan, where it takes the fans to force it down their throats, or by the time they see it, It's too late. Again, Daniel Bryan, by the time they actually capitalized on it, he got hurt and hurt and hurt, and then he had to retire. So I just think that WWE is in a really tight spot right now where they have put all of their eggs in the Roman Reigns basket. And ultimately, due to things beyond his control, but also in a lot of fault from WWE for the years that Roman did have the opportunity to be that guy, I think it's been squandered, and I wonder internally, are they thinking to themselves, do we try to make a run here with Drew McIntyre? Do we try to make Ricochet, who certainly it seems like they're burying him right now, but people do go through cycles. Do we try to do something with Ricochet? Do we, you know, is Alistair Black so unique? Can we make him into a badass that we can build around this guy? I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it just seems to me like the effort and the push for Roman Reigns to be the guy. As he likes to say, it may be the case, but I don't think business is going to pick up with him being the guy when time and again, again, I'll repeat repeat myself, due to no fault of his own, all their their well-laid plans for Roman either don't work because the booking's bad or real life gets in the way. At some point, I think you have to say, you know what, we need to go in a a different direction. Not that we're going to forget about him. He's still going to be a big part of the company. He's still ultimately going to win the title. Six, seven, eight times, you know, but
3: he maybe won't have that career that we expected him to have, like a John Cena. Well, I think they're clearly trying to do that with McIntyre. And speaking of bad luck, I mean, this is McIntyre's big moment, and he doesn't right. get any crowd support performing in front of his WrestleMania. Everything's just gone flat because of this. I do think they are trying to turn McIntyre into that um, more than 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 Roman. But it kind of goes back to—I don't know if I said this last week or previously or not—but you mentioned Dander Bryan. And it's been 15 years now that WWE cannot produce a mega crossover star, except for accidentally, in spite of itself. CM Punk, and since John Cena in 2005 ish, the only mega stars, guys who have crossed over, folks who don't watch wrestling, know who they are are CM Punk and Dana Bryan. And those people got over specifically because they weren't getting the support from WWE, and everything has become so meta that it's 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 hard to do that nowadays and speaking of cm punk i i think he deserves some of the blame for the roman issues and that when he went on that podcast cole cabana's podcast on thanksgiving and he said that uh he was told to make roman look strong and that became a meme and that followed that's followed roman ever since i'm not saying that's the only thing but i don't think that helped and it really turned a lot of uh smarky fans against him so as for where else they go, I mean, I think Kevin Owens is a guy who could do everything you want. I mean, he he looks like the, the blue-collar middle-class guy. He's great on the mic. You need somebody who can talk more than anything else. And I, I think he's a guy who could do it. And they've given him pushes here and there. But you're right. They just cannot build superstars. And they're trying to do it with McIntyre. And it's, again, bad timing. <laughs> Life just happens to get in the way. By the way, the, speaking of Kevin Owens, that's another guy who's like a victim of circumstance
0: in WWE. Let, let's not let's not forget he takes the Universal Championship the first time, at least that quickly, only because Finn Balor got injured in the mm-hmm. in the match he won with. Well, with, there's uh, another
3: one. Yeah, they tried to get Finn over, and and it, when 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 Vince has pulled the trigger on some of these guys on Daniel Bryan, on Finn Balor, uh, uh, Page I think as well, they end up getting hurt and. You don't blame him for going back to the big guys who typically stay healthy because he's he's pulled the trigger on some of these smaller guys and then they instantly get hurt and they're out for a long period of time and you can't do what you wanted to with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not their fault. It's just how it goes. The thing with Balor was just, I mean, worst possible timing ever. Like, Mm. you know, it's like, oh, my God, they're going to push Finn Balor. Like they pushed him. He came in, I think, within a month, maybe even less. He had that match because they had just introduced the universal title. Uh, They've done the brand split, all those things. Him and Rollins, it was a great match. He wins the title. But but getting back to, to Kevin Owens here. Um, so he takes the title the first time and it's basically given to him by Triple H. Everyone remembers what happened on Raw there. But even the last two WrestleManias, as a victim of circumstance, either because of WWE booking or outside forces, Kevin Owens has been taken out of opportunities to win titles or, or, or be in major title feuds. Let's not forget to, at WrestleMania... 34, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Uh, him and Chris Jericho, it's well known now, was supposed to be for either the WWE or the Universal Championship. I forget which title it was. WWE ultimately decided to make the move, put the title, it must have been the Universal, um, to put the Universal title on Goldberg instead, have Goldberg Lesnar at the show. Then him and Chris Jericho are now in a United States title match that no one really cared about instead of a world title match that Owens would have been featured in. Then last year, the entire plan was Owens was going to come back and be the face challenger for Daniel Bryan and the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. Instead, Kofi-mania happens. Everyone goes nuts. Owens gets bumped down and Kofi gets that opportunity. So, I mean, this is now twice in a row that Owens even, you know, WWE seemingly had bigger plans for him to be in a world title match at WrestleMania, only for both years, that to get pushed under the rug. And now, granted... Facing Seth Rollins at Mania is not nothing. Rollins is almost a modern day HBK in terms of a Mr. Mr. WrestleMania moniker. It's he's getting there. He's not there yet, but I mean, two or three more years, he's going to be there. Uh, so this is no you know slouch of a match by any means. But WWE has had a lot of bad luck, and and they've also made a lot of bad booking decisions that has kind of forced their hand. And with Reigns, you know, circling back here, it just puts me in a state of mind where I'm like, you know what. No matter the result here, um, at WrestleMania, I don't necessarily know whether they are going to push Reigns to immediately get the title that he was supposed to win at SummerSlam. Do they make it wait another year? Do they try to do it at Survivor Series? I don't know what the plans are if they're gonna do a brand versus brand thing. You know, I just it's difficult for me because my first thought when Reigns pulled out, when it was reported that Reigns pulled out of WrestleMania it was not, oh my God, what's WWE going to do? It was really, what's Roman Reigns going to do? Like, what are they going to do with this guy going forward when time and again, it just isn't working? It's almost like I I said it last week with a different subject. Um, UFC, they've been trying to make this Tony uh, Ferguson-Khabib match for years. And every single time they try to make the match, something happens. Someone like trips on a wire or eats uh, something bad or breaks a rib or whatever the case. Um, And with WWE, it's like every time they try to get Roman over and they think that they have a way to do it, something happens. And in the worst stroke of luck, you know, from a humane perspective, the last two times have been freaking leukemia and a global pandemic. It's like the world doesn't want Roman Reigns to reach that peak in WWE where he gets naturally cheered. And I feel really bad for him personally. And I feel bad for WWE a little bit. Um, Again, even though a lot of what's happening with WWE is their own fault because of their booking.
3: Yeah. I I guess I just have a different feeling on Roman on this and that I don't maybe it's him beating Goldberg at, it was not something I thought was going to be that big of a deal. It was it, we all feel weird about Goldberg getting the title anyway, and it instantly felt as a transitional title. So you kind of felt like Roman had it anyway. We'll see what they end up doing if if Goldberg ends up retaining and Roman takes it back from him at a different point. I'm not yet believing this is going to drastically change plans with Roman. And again, I think it if anything makes him a little more uh, makes it easier to connect with him. But I don't think this was that I don't think this one is that big of a loss in terms of where Roman goes moving forward. But the larger but the larger point of where is he going still remains, I think. Yeah,
0: I I, I want to clarify because you do make a good point. I'm not really talking about it from just him beating Roman, uh, him beating Goldberg at WrestleMania. I completely agree with what you're saying. It would not have been the mountaintop moment that Lesnar, you know, um, two years ago would have been. Like if they had booked it properly and he had been super over and he beat this unbeatable guy in Lesnar at 34, I'm not trying to equate it to that by any means. I'm I'm just saying the idea of WWE building for a year to put the title on him and then it not happening. But you're right. Ultimately, WWE bungled the WrestleMania build anyway because of taking the title off the Fiend. The the better match would have been been Fiend Roman Reigns um, or they could have kept the title on Fiend and had him fight John Cena. Cena going for 17, Fiend trying to stop him from it, and had Roman and Goldberg be something else, considering Roman didn't win the Royal Rumble. So he didn't necessarily have a legitimate reason to challenge for the title anyway. He didn't have a number one contender match. He just kind of challenged Goldberg in the first place. Mm -hmm. They could have done the exact same thing without a title, and it still would have been a big deal. So trust me, I'm on the same page as you regarding Goldberg and the match itself. It's just more, I'm more talking about like every time they try to push
3: him, every time they try to make something happen with him, something. And right there was the point. He just, Goldberg and him, it just happened. He didn't earn that title shot. And that hurts him as a character. And that's not his fault.
0: Yeah, 100% right. The bigger issue I almost have, by the way, I didn't necessarily mind that WWE advertised the Goldberg-Reigns match Friday night on SmackDown after this news had already broken because WWE did not confirm it. But really, once we passed the weekend, and once we got into Raw on Monday night, and they advertised it like all show... It started to become insulting, especially now that Roman had already come out with this Instagram message. And you're like, well, Roman's confirming he's not going to be there. Why are they advertising it? They really either should have just not advertised it or said, hey, Goldberg is going to have a different challenger. Tune in Friday night on SmackDown to find out why. My guess is they're going to do something Friday night where I'm going to do a spoiler alert in a second where another person gets an opportunity uh, for this title match. So I am going to do right now, a spoiler alert: If you do not want to know um, who is going to be challenging Goldberg for the ch- for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, go ahead and skip, let's say, two minutes of the show. You can skip ahead on your podcast app. Um, but we're going to talk briefly about who that is. We are going to save it though and talk about it in depth during our WrestleMania 36 preview, which will be out on Thursday. So, spoiler alert here: uh, replacing Roman Reigns. In this title match against Goldberg, Chris, is going to be Braun Strowman. And when I first heard that Roman would be out of the match, Strowman was the by far most obvious choice to me of who would take this spot. And honestly, I think it's the right decision. I think WWE could have gotten creative and said, "Okay, Fiend versus John Cena, winner faces Goldberg. Have Fiend beat Cena on Saturday? And then Fiend face Goldberg on Sunday, win the title back. And you're back at square one where you were a couple months ago. That would have been how I would have booked it. But I think putting Braun Strowman in here makes a lot of sense. I don't know what plan they otherwise had for him because Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn seemed to be the Intercontinental Championship plan. Braun had the title briefly, already lost it to Sami, but they have put him in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Maybe would he have had another role on the show? Maybe. Um, but this works for me, given the circumstances.
3: And you know what, man? I think you have to put Braun Strowman over. I think you put the title on Braun. You know, I, I I don't even think have they confirmed if they're doing a battle royal because especially with social social distancing, it's probably not a good look. I don't no, see it they, on the card they, yet. They haven't, so maybe, they haven't.
0: they they have not said anything either way. But yeah. they are. It's reported they are not doing the two battle
3: royals. Yeah, which makes sense. And and so you're right. I, I Braun makes sense, especially if they didn't have anything for him. And I agree. I want. I think Braun should get the title, if anything, because I don't like Goldberg having it. It doesn't add anything to it. And if Braun gets it and, and they eventually get back into things and Roman can fight for the title against Braun, Roman and Braun have great chemistry. They have great matches. That would be a feud. You could, if if things can get back to normal, you could do for three, four months, maybe flip the title back and forth a couple of times. Cause I think those guys would tear the house down as they have uh, in the past a number of years ago when, when Braun was, was killing Roman. Um, yeah, I, I think Braun should get the championship and, and, move forward from there. Just get past this Goldberg stuff. Pretend it didn't happen. If you <laughs> if you want to barely and, and, and go from there, I, I'm in total agreement with you.
0: Yeah, I think that's the move. And like I said, to the, I really thought the best way to get away from the Goldberg stuff is to do what I suggested earlier, you know, have Fiend beat Cena and then make it a number one contender match and just have Fiend beat Goldberg again. And, you know, five minutes you get the heat back on the Fiend. He overcame the, the only person that, you know, that's beaten him. Um, and you have the title back and you've completely reset and now you can go Fiend Roman for SummerSlam, which was their WrestleMania plan. So,
3: yeah, it, it, that may be, that may that may be hard because they if they pre-taped things and when they did things and whatnot and who was where. But if if if, if that was possible, I agree that that would have been a great idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's I I don't I just don't see why they didn't do it. But I mean, look, uh, Braun getting the opportunity is cool. I just would hate to see Goldberg beat Braun if that happens. I mean, Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my God. That would be absolutely awful. All right. Uh, Wrapping up here with the fastest 15 minutes in professional wrestling. I know that this is going to be a long show, but I watched Raw on Monday night, Chris, and I could not help but be completely overcome with the quality of promo on that show. We had The Undertaker, Becky Lynch, Kevin Owens, and Edge. Becky's was okay. The other three weren't good. They weren't great. They were fantastic and i really want to start with the undertaker promo that opened the show i'm going to cut to it right now we're going to talk about it on the other side
4: aj styles or should i say alan jones i mean since we're being real now you know for such a small man you got a really big mouth and i don't know if you have a big set you're just really that stupid either way your mouth's writing checks your ass can't cash i'm sure you thought by dropping some pipe bombs you'd get under my skin son i've heard a lot worse from far better than you although i must admit there are some truths to what you've been saying you said maybe 10 15 years ago you probably wouldn't want to try me you damn right you wouldn't want to. You were content being a big fish in a little pond because you knew back then you didn't have what it takes to hang with The Undertaker, Stone Cold, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Kurt Angle, Mick Foley, Eddie Guerrero, Booker T, Edge, the very best this business had to offer. The phenomenal one, my ass. You waited till they were all gone. Except for me. Now, I'll be the first to admit I've got far more matches behind me than I do in front of me. But, Alan, you stepped in something now there's no coming back from. Your foolish pride is making really bad decisions for you. All the things you said about me I get it. I do, it's just business. Where you crossed the line, though, was the first time you mentioned her. I think your pride is playing games with you again. I think you're mad because she does the faith breaker, AKA the Styles Clash, better than you do. She got it over. No matter the reason, You're going to pay the ultimate price for disrespecting her, my wife, Michelle McCool. And you're going to pay that price in a boneyard. Remember, that was your idea. You want to be relevant at the showcase of Immortals, WrestleMania. And who better to make that happen than The Undertaker? Try me. I'll make you famous and I hope you bring those two ass clowns, Gallows and Anderson with you. All three of you can feel the wrath of the unholy Trinity. I'm bringing with me. Just know you will feel the pain. You will get hurt and you will suffer. And most importantly, you will rest
0: in peace. All right, Chris. So, you know, Taker is there. He's in this, you know, moody type. I don't mean to be Michael Cole here, but this uh, ghoulish, you know, dark uh, type of room. I mean, a it's, it's studio, you know, it seemed like it was supposed to be outside, but it, it clearly wasn't. It was a very... 90s promo. We saw the headstone um, with AJ Styles. I think it was 1977 to 2020. He called him Alan Jones. We're now breaking kayfabe with Mark Calloway um, and Alan Jones, both in this feud. And it's The Undertaker, not as really The Undertaker. But to me, a lot of people were saying American Badass. But to me, it was more the big evil version of The Undertaker. I thought it was a very smart booking decision for WWE To do it this way, the Boneyard match is going to be interesting to kind of see how The Undertaker works with AJ Styles in that type of setting. Because with Styles, you want to see him in a real match. And you would think Undertaker and Styles in a ring would be the best way for Taker to have a good wrestling match. That said, the best way for Undertaker to look really good is a taped match outside of the ring where they can do things three or four different times. So if, you know, a tombstone gets botched or if something else happens, you can fix it, you know, in post and and just get the shots that you actually need. So I thought I thought AJ Styles promo last week was a little bit annoying. It it ran on. It was very much monotonous. Uh, But the Undertaker's promo this week, I thought was extremely solid. He kind of copped to the Instagram photos that he takes with Michelle. He even brought in the fact that Michelle hits the Styles Clash better than Styles does. Mm -hmm. I just thought top to bottom it was a. Really smart promo.
3: Yeah, I'm always on the fence when it comes to breaking kayfabe and promos, but I think this was a good use of it. I love the return of Biker Taker uh, without it being so formalized. It just kind of happened this way. It, it would have been a little bit weird if, if Undertaker kept doing the the mystical stuff. Um So it was a good promo. And, and we talked about it last week doing this promo in a room kind of off on his own as opposed to in the ring was huge. Uh, The only thing I think this whole feud, though, I think has really been hurt by not having an audience because breaking kayfabe, taking shots at people's wives. The whole point of that is to really draw a reaction out of the crowd you're saying it in front of. It's about being antagonizing. And we just haven't had that. So that's obviously not their fault. But given what situation they're in, I think that was a good way to. Cap this off before going into the match from Undertaker. And they finally got, I think, a little bit of juice uh, in it that was missing the last handful of weeks.
0: Yeah, that's totally true. You know, I think a lot of times in the road to Mania, once ever since Taker lost to Brock, um, some of the feuds have felt, you know, a little forced, a little sudden. And this one certainly was, you know, AJ just suddenly out of nowhere sort of calling out the Undertaker. Um, but they really brought it home, I think, Monday night. It's the go-home show after all. The taker promo was the best of the bunch in all of the interactions between both men on the mic and in the ring and By everything far, in really. between. Everything in between. So yeah, I just I thought it was a really solid way to bring us into WrestleMania. And you're right, uh, the way that they didn't make a big deal about Undertaker not being quote unquote Undertaker, but really being American Badass or Big Evil, whichever version you kind of lean to on this, um, it was natural. And you know what? It probably should be the way that he closes out his career because when he does have that final match. You don't really want the Undertaker promo. You want the Mark Calloway promo. You want, you know, him to kind of at the end say, hey, thank you guys so much and act like a real human as opposed to the Undertaker character. I don't really I can't ever remember a character like the Undertaker retiring. You know, it's always a real human. Ultimately, ultimately, that retires. Uh, Moving on here again, one of three incredible promos on the show. Kevin Owens wins a match, sits down in the ring by the ring ropes and cuts one of his best promos in quite some time.
5: Let's take a listen to that. See, I heard that this place was built despite of you. I heard that from the moment you set foot in that warehouse in Tampa that you mentioned, you were a nightmare to deal with. You, you knew everything about everything. You were better than everyone else. Nobody could stand you. And I got to say, Seth, these past few months, you have done an outstanding job proving everyone right when they said that all you are is an arrogant dipshit. But look, I, uh, I'm well aware of my past, okay? I'm well aware of my reputation and, and what people can say because of the path that I've chosen but but the difference the difference between you and I is that I am not delusional like you. I've been saying you're delusional for a long time, and last week you proved me right. You did because you talked about all those WrestleMania moments you've had, right? You said that that when it comes to WrestleMania, you what did you call yourself? Oh yeah, you're you're a god. And that I'm I'm just a disappointment. I got to admit, man, those words actually stung. They did. They stayed with me. But when I was at home thinking about all this stuff, it occurred to me just how skewed your view of reality is because while I may not have all those WrestleMania moments that you do, I I can claim the same accolades that you Claim. I I've been intercontinental champion twice. I've been United States champion three times I I have been universal champion. In fact, I was universal champion well before you And those uh Those WrestleMania moments you talk about see all the accomplishments. I just listed that I have Well, I'm man enough to admit that I didn't get them on my own No, because I had someone watching my back or helping me for each of them, one way or another. And so did you. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but those WrestleMania moments you're so proud of, none of them you accomplished on your own. You always, always had backup. And if you didn't have backup, you found some underhanded way to get what you want. And look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be proud of those moments, all I'm saying is that you need to be honest with yourself. Because the only thing you said last week that actually makes sense is that when you got to WWE, you were told that nothing you accomplished before you got here matters. Your past no longer matters. And that, that will never be more true than come Saturday at WrestleMania, because on Saturday, when you and I get into this ring together, your past doesn't matter, my past doesn't matter. The only thing, the only thing that matters is that it's you and me, finally, one-on-one. And Seth, this Saturday night, I will show you, You're not a prophet, you're not a messiah. You are not a God when I beat you in the middle of this ring and I take my first WrestleMania moment from you. Because this Saturday, I will be the one to burn it down. So what
0: really struck me here was he did a fantastic job answering shot for shot what Seth Rollins said last week in a promo that, you know, we talked about is one of the best we've seen on WWE, on Raw in quite some time, and maybe, at least in my opinion, the best of Seth Rollins' career. For Owens on the main roster, this is up there with one of his best promos, and I always like the idea, it works better a little bit in a crowd, but I always love the idea of A guy staying in the ring after a match, Mm -hmm. sitting in in the corner, sitting on the ropes, taking a steel chair, placing it in the middle of of the ring and sitting on it and cutting a promo about kind of what just happened and what's ahead. We've seen people do it when they lose. We've seen people do it when they win and they have a big match coming up ahead. That is just a unique storytelling device that we don't always get. We usually get guy comes out, entrance music hits, cuts a promo. Hey, Seth, I'm going to kick your ass at WrestleMania, throws the mic down, beats a jobber. End of scene. This, the doing it the opposite way, it just really spoke to me and it was an example of how
3: well produced this go home edition of Raw was. Yeah, we talked about it last week with all the promos they were doing that were kind of standalone. And I had said I missed the days when guys would cut a promo before a match about anything, or cut a promo after a match. And then that's exactly what they did here. And I think Owens couldn't refute what Seth was saying because as we said last week. Seth was right about everything and there's nothing more dastardly from a heel who's correct. And right. I think Kevin Owens said what he had to say to to build himself up, up as much as he could, but we all know that the only way he can truly back up what he says is to win. And that's exactly what he set up and now we go into this wanting Kevin Owens to win, wanting him to get over that hump so he can have the the feeling that Seth is having to to prove Seth wrong. And uh yeah, I I it wasn't, you know, a promo of the year type thing, but it was exactly what it needed to be in that moment. And it sets it up, I think, perfectly uh, going into this match.
0: For sure. And I I did say that there were three great promos on Raw. I actually meant there were four because the Paul Heyman promo to close Raw was incredible. I'm going to save that though, since I didn't plan it for the show, I'm going to save it for the WrestleMania preview. We'll talk about that before we talk about Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre in the main event. Again, ultimate WrestleMania 36 preview coming on Thursday. But the the third promo that really spoke to me on Raw was Edge. And we have seen Edge be extremely passionate and emotional in the ring. We saw Beth Phoenix come out. We've seen Randy Orton's promos. I was a little dismayed that we didn't get an Edge Orton face-to-face of some kind, uh, or even just dueling promos or something like that on this show. I understand why they did it. We just got one from Orton last week. They didn't want to kind of double up too much. But it's been such an intense rivalry. It would have been nice to have seen something like that happen. Nevertheless, Edge, you know, it almost feels like that promo he cut on Monday night, he had been working on for like the nine years he's been retired. I don't even know it's been that long. (laughs) But it it felt like that because it was picture perfect. He took every single point that Randy uh, delivered about, you know, how he still had grip because he still had to fight his way you know, into a a spot in WWE, he had to overcome obstacles of his suspensions and all his outside the ring mistakes. And he just tore every single point Randy Orton made down while continuing to basically do this new version of the edge character, which is not really rated our superstar, but more gritty veteran who's just going to kick your damn ass. I, I'm not a huge fan. I think we discussed this, and I think you said it as well. Not a huge fan of last man standing matches. I prefer Falls Count Anywhere, but that match type for this match between those two guys, it really works. I am more excited for Edge Randy Orton than I am any match on the show. And again, for a go-home edition of Raw, they took me home. They took me home with Undertaker Styles, Owens, Rollins, Edge, Orton, and as we'll talk about you know, Thursday. You know Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre. They sold me on WrestleMania Monday night. Randy,
6: you said that uh, that Adam Copeland is a junkie for Edge. You're probably right, but, but it's not. It's not an ego thing. It's not about ego. See, I just I love the feeling that happens in an arena, that explosion when my music hits. That connection, that the rock connection, that intensity that I share with our audience, because I, I'm one of them, I came from them. You know, let's face it, man, we're all junkies for this. As a, as a 13-year-old kid sitting 11th row ringside for WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, I knew then, uh, if you're not a junkie for this, then you're just taking up space. You're in my way. You talked about grit, right? Clearly, we have different definitions of the word grit. <sighs> to you, uh, grit seems to be, you know, handpicked by evolution, That represents grit to you. You're resting on the laurels of your family name. Coasting. Off and on with spurts of magic for the last 20 years. Just okay with being okay. Don't get me wrong, okay for you is better than most, and that's a Hall of Fame career. But to me, To me, grit is the type of man that'll reach down into that hole, that'll pull somebody out that probably doesn't deserve it. To me, grit is refusing to be an evolution because you don't want to be someone's lackey. To me, grit is forging your own Hall of Fame career. To me, grit is thinking about how to get back here every day for nine years, and then this on your terms. You know, I was mistaken, I was wrong. I said that you were jealous of me, right? You're not jealous of me, you're jealous of my passion because you can't fabricate passion. You have it or you don't, and I have it, Randy. And the only time that you have it is when I'm around. I make you better. I push you, I motivate you, I light a fire under you, and everyone else sees it but you. Everyone's talking about it. They know. This is the best Randy Orton has ever been. The last time Randy Orton scratched being this good... It's nine years ago Hmm. that scares you. I inspire that passion in you and that feeling scares you. You don't know what to do with it. If anything, you're a junkie for the way that I make you feel. But you listen to the voices in your head, right? Those voices. They're afraid of this feeling. They can't handle this feeling. what did they tell you to do? They told you to make a horrible mistake, Randy. And you listened. You attacked my pack. You almost had me believing that maybe the Royal Rumble, maybe that was enough closure for me. But then you put your hands on my wife. You uttered, The names of my little girls. And you pulled me back in. You accepted a last man standing match with me.
4: A man!
6: Who will dive. Face first into a flaming table with thumbtacks lodged into every part of my body. Just to grab that torch that you took for granted. You dug yourself another hole, didn't you, Randy? This time, I'm not going to pull you back out. I ain't going to push you so far in. You will never
3: get back I think this is a match that can main event probably the Saturday if you want to. And and it's been solely based on promos and they haven't had that face off. Kind of, I'm i kind of glad they haven't had a face off because I think when they see each other, you want them to just go at each other. And it, right from the bell, maybe, maybe you do something via satellite beforehand or maybe this would have been a perfect one for a pull-apart brawl, but which you obviously couldn't do. So given the circumstances they were in, um, I thought Edge's delivery was great. You, you see it with, with Edge and even with Orton when he was on, that there's a different level of delivery between the older guys. And and, yep. and say what you will about Goldberg, I still think he cuts a pretty good promo. And Seth had a great promo, and Kevin Owens is pretty good. But for, for, for the most part, promos in WWE have not been the strength for a while. And when someone like Edge comes back and you see there's a passion there, you see a passion in him, in Orton, in Goldberg when he talks, and that's just missing... So frequently, and every promo in this Orton Edge feud has just been full of passion, and it makes you feel, it makes you connect, and it, it gets you ready to go. And, and for a match that, again, I think should main event because of the heat that's on this match, especially with Roman uh, Goldberg no longer happening. I think you can make this a main event match, and I think everybody would feel it deserves it. I I do think it should be the Saturday main event. I agree with you. Uh, I do
0: think we're going to end up with the women's match um, Saturday, but I I don't know that for sure. But I will agree with your other points for sure. You actually kind of killed me on that one. So it did need a pull apart, and we couldn't have done it because of circumstances. So you're 100% right there. And on top of that, there is a massive differential, like you said, between the old guys and the newer guys, the current guys. In terms of promo, I think it's all about reps. The reps Mm -hmm. that those guys had, cutting promos, using their own words. Edge, Orton, Cena, those guys did it week in, week out. They did it on house shows, so on and so forth. Whereas these guys, despite Owens, you know, hey, he had a career of being a good promo. And Rollins, similar. Um, A lot of the other people in WWE, they only know one way. They only know promos written for them, bullet points given to them, heavily coached and scripted.
3: A lot of sarcasm.
0: Yeah, a lot of sarcasm. They don't have the experience and the reps, the mental and verbal and physical reps of doing promos the way those guys did. So even the worst promos of the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era are probably way better than the average promos of today because of that reason. It's not just being given the leash, but having the experience operating off the leash in order to succeed in that.
3: Uh, Nothing gets me me more hyped up for a match than someone who's yelling either at me at the TV or yelling at their opponent. And you can tell that they really want to get their hands on them. Like, that's what this is all about. It's about fighting. I want to see the two people want to beat the crap out of each other. And that's exactly what we've gotten out of Ed Jordan.
0: 100%. Wrapping up the fastest 15 minutes, two things from SmackDown. Wanted to briefly discuss. Um, I don't think a lot of people are really talking about the Elias and Corbin tussle (laughs) atop the perch in the Performance Center. And was it, was it comical in some ways? Sure. But it harkened back to me to, there was a feud on SmackDown back in the day. It actually happened while I wasn't watching uh, WWE. I think it was like 03 or 04 or something like that. Um, and it happened between Kurt Angle and the big show where they were in an arena and they were fighting like in a parking garage, but on a level above or something like that. And the big show threw Kurt Angle off this, landing or whatever onto a concrete floor. And it was the exact same cut where like you show the person getting thrown off and then it cuts to the person spread out on the ground like they've just been run over like Frogger or something like that. Right. Um, I loved it, man. It was a little corny. Yes, but the fight was good and it gave me a reason to actually care about this match when I had zero whatsoever. I still don't really care about it. But at least in this case, like Elias got the crap kicked out of him. I hope Corbin wins at WrestleMania and Elias comes in bandaged, bandaged as an excuse for losing. I liked it. It was unique. It's something that you don't see WWE do a lot.
3: I liked it. I, I, I want to see Elias with a neck brace on last time. Uh, I, I didn't see that Big Show Kurt Angle feud you're talking about, but it made me think of Halloween Havoc 96 when the Giant and Hogan had a monster truck fight and then... The giant, the big show fell off the roof of Cobo Hall and then showed up later in the day to beat Hogan to win, win the title. Uh, <laughs> that was a little that was way too over the top. But uh, no, I, I like this. And and I'm fine with corny if you're going to like really, really lean into it and make it like serious. Don't 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 have Elias come back fine and brush it off, like really like give him the neck brace and and, and do what you will and maybe Corbin beats up a guy with a neck brace and gets more heat on him, like lean into that. I, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. And last year
0: this week, I have, you know, we've been relatively praiseworthy for WWE. And because of that, I got to get negative. I got to finish the show on a negative note, uh, because honestly, this pissed me off beyond all. And maybe you'll have a different opinion. I don't know. But man, Alexa Bliss, should never beat Asuka clean. She should never beat her clean one-on-one and she should never beat her clean one-on-one with a simple DDT. This is a woman who was undefeated in Asuka I'm talking about. This is a woman who is undefeated forever, is arguably the greatest women's wrestler of all time or at least my favorite women's wrestler of all time. And this doesn't come from a area of favoritism. It comes from me wanting Asuka to be a badass like we know she can be and like we've seen, right? And I know that they had to set up the women's tag team title match for WrestleMania. I get it. You had Nikki Cross at ringside. She could have done something. You you could have. I, I don't know necessarily where Kyrie Sane is. Um, they are advertising the women's tag team title match, so I assume she'll be there. You could have had Alexa beat Kyrie Sane if she's in Orlando. I, I don't understand that booking. Oscar getting a win back on by, on Caden Carter Monday night on Raw doesn't fix it for me. Look. Asuka is great, and her losing to Becky Lynch twice in a row, I'm fine with it. Becky is your top woman in the company. Asuka losing to Charlotte Flair, I'm okay with it. Even at WrestleMania, I'm fine with it. I understand. Becky uh, and and Charlotte, they speak English. You're, You're more likely to push them. I get it. Alexa Bliss, who has not been her dominant self for quite a while, who, by the way, still operates way better as a heel than a face, should never beat Asuka one-on-one with a DDT in a meaningless match, whether it's for a title opportunity or not. Tell me I'm wrong.
3: No, of course you're right. It, the problem is that the only way, or one of the few ways they know how to set up a championship match is to pin the champion. It, it's just, that it, it, they do it time and time again, especially when it comes to the women, that that's how they set up a match, set up a feud. And yeah, it, you could do an interference. You could, you could have the villains simply just, call them out and the good guys because there was the, a, they're the, or the good women, you know, the, the, the heroes accept the challenge because they take on all comers and then you just go forward with it. It was completely unnecessary, uh, to do that. It doesn't, it, I don't think it makes Alexa bliss look all that better for any reason. It just feels weird. And, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. Yeah. It just makes Oscar look weak uh, it, and it's so yeah. unnecessary for them to do
0: it. She's over people love her. even people that aren't quote unquote smart fans love Oscar. So, Just put her freaking over. Give her title opportunities. Have Banks win the title as a face at SummerSlam. Have Asuka be a heel challenger. Do something fun. Let's get her back in the main title picture. Chris, man, thank you so much for joining me today on this edition of Getting Over. Everyone stay tuned for Getting Over Time coming up right now. Thanks once again to Chris for joining us to break down all that happened this week in the world of WWE. Don't forget, we will have a full WrestleMania 36 preview coming to you on Thursday, just a couple days before the show begins from WWE's Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. But I would be remiss to finish this episode of Getting Over without taking us into getting over time. You ask the questions, the Silver King has the answers, or at least I like to think I do. We start with Nick Flynn at nflynn underscore 17. Is it too much too soon for Austin Theory? He is good for his age, 22, makes me feel like I haven't done a squat in my life and experience three years, but are we sure that there wasn't a more logical choice to replace him? It's a really good question. You know, I was thinking about wrestlers that made their debuts at WrestleMania, full-time wrestlers, not like, you know, uh, Lawrence Taylor, you know, or something like that. And really the only people that have popped into my mind are Fandango, who had his first legit match there, and certainly has been with WWE ever since, and Ronda Rousey who you know, debuted there and had a one-year run. So I'll, I'll consider her full-time. Austin Theory, his second match on the WWE main roster is going to be at WrestleMania. That is pretty damn crazy. But when you look at WrestleMania, this isn't really WrestleMania. I mean, we'll talk about it more probably on the, the show coming up Thursday, the full WrestleMania preview. But you know, watching some of these older WrestleManias uh, that have been airing on ESPN, certainly on the WWE Network as well, this just isn't going to compare. Uh, I don't think the atmosphere is going to be the same. This is a wrestling show that is taking place over two nights and is being called WrestleMania. But it is not the experience of the showcase of the Immortals, the show of shows. You know, it's it's not the granddaddy of them all. So, you know, were there other options? Certainly. Um, I don't know, though. You know, they're doing it. They were taping. Uh, they were doing a bunch of tapings in a short period of time in a three day span, I believe. I don't know who else was in Orlando already. Um I don't know if WWE even wanted to fly someone else down. Certainly, you have the NXT guys who are primarily featured on those brands. Could you have brought up like Adam Cole for the match or, you know, Tommaso Ciampa? Yeah, of course you could have. And there's there's plenty of other, you know, people in Orlando from NXT that they could have considered people that are longer tenured there. But I think they, you know, made a move for Angel Garza and they saw that work out. And I think... Paul Heyman probably said, you know what? This Austin Theory kid, let's give him a chance. Let's see what happens. And I don't hate it. You know, I think that makes the result of the match even more clear that the Street Profits are going to retain. I thought they were going to anyway, obviously. But if you're telling me I'm getting Montez Ford, and this is nothing against Angelo Dawkins, but Montez Ford, Austin Theory, and Angel Garza in a match, that's going to be a barn burner. Then you add Angelo Dawkins and his size, I still think this could be one of the matches that seal WrestleMania just from an entertainment standpoint. So, you know, I don't think it's too much too soon for Theory necessarily, but, you know, probably a year ago on the other podcast, I was watching Evolve and I saw Theory and I was like, and this is not a unique opinion, but I was like, man, that might be the next John Cena right there. Like, that's a guy that seemingly has it all. What better way to test that than throw him into an opportunity? I think it'll be one of the opening matches, but throw him into an opportunity on WrestleMania. See what happens. 22, three years experience. You know, the roof is the ceiling, as Michael Jordan would say for this guy. Uh, Sorry, I guess the ceiling is the roof. Yeah, the ceiling is the roof for this guy. That's the quote. I don't want to butcher an MJ quote. Uh, Tommy Wrestling at Tommy underscore takeover. He asked if we're going to continue the legacy of Mount Rushmore here on Getting Over. Uh, The short answer is no. The longer answer is I'm going to do something else, something different. Obviously, I'm not trying to be a carbon copy of the old podcast podcast. You know, some things carried over the main event, certainly. I did talk to, you know, Brian about that. He said, yeah, yeah, take the main event. That's cool. Don't worry about it. Um, But other than that, you know, I'm trying to do it differently here. I'm getting over. And I think Mount Rushmore, you know, I love you guys. I love the listeners. um, But I don't know that I want to honor four people each year. I feel like it should be something that is really deserved, like one or two people, like an MVP award, maybe like, I don't know, best question asker, best contributor, Um, biggest fan. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm thinking closer along the lines of MVP rather than here's four people that we're going to rotate that are the top of the mountain. And, and candidly, you know, without Brian, the listeners for this show, were not as many as we were over at the other show. So, you know, it's something where as we get larger and as our listenership grows, which it is every episode. And thank you guys for, for helping that happen. Don't forget to share the episode and tell your friends to listen, in addition to the five-star reviews, and in addition to following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Tell your damn friends. Uh, But as the listenership grows, and we have more people asking questions and contributing to the show, then we can talk about maybe doing something even beyond, like a show MVP award. But I will do something to honor the listeners. Tommy, you're certainly active in there. Black Sabre Jr. we know is making a run. Uh, Shawn Michaels, REEB82, he has the next, next question he's heavily involved. Nick Flynn, the first guy, he's involved too. So there are a lot of listeners already contributing a lot. The question is, how do I trim the fat? How do I trim it down to the listener uh, of Getting Over, the number one person? And you know what? I think the show just started only a couple months ago. So let's see where things go. Maybe around SummerSlam we'll give such an award and maybe it can be contested monthly as opposed to once a year. That's kind of where I'm going with All right, Shawn Michaels at REEB82. As I said, next question. Does Seth Rollins' Monday Night Messiah gimmick work without a crowd? I say no, unless the followers increase in numbers. I do think it works without a crowd, actually. I'm going to disagree with you because you saw the promo he cut two weeks ago. It's not just a Messiah for other people. It's a Messiah in his own head. He thinks he's a god. So the way he cut that promo, it shows the, you know... The mental changes going on inside of this guy who has such a high opinion of himself where he doesn't just think that he's a great wrestler and he deserves to be champion. He legitimately thinks he's special, more special and better than everyone else in the locker room. So the Messiah gimmick works, but I do agree he needs more followers. Uh, one of the AOP, I think it's Rezar, is out of action with a torn pec. That means we're not going to see Akam. So now all we have left is buddy Murphy. What that says to me is Rollins needs to add some new Disciples. I don't know if that's going to be once we get back to live crowds in a few months, um, if it's going to start on future Raws that they're going to tape. But Rollins does need to add to his army, particularly now that those guys are out. Add two more people. When AOP is ready to return again, now you have six. Now you're talking a faction. And we all know that factions are what the Silver King wants. CJ Pierre at CJ Track One. What are your thoughts on this? SmackDown Women's title, final three of Bayley, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. Naomi pin Sasha, but Bayley lets it happen, like Triple H letting Orton pin Batista in the chamber. You hear some uh, more DMs are coming in right now here as we're talking. Um, I think that idea is a good one. I think that's probably along the lines of what they'll let happen. Maybe sub in... Lacey Evans for Naomi not because I want Lacey Evans in there I, I I don't like her at all um in any title picture I don't think she she belongs there I don't think she's succeeded as a face or as a heel at all but I think maybe Lacey Evans gets that opportunity instead but that is what you have happened basically you have Sasha make a run through the through the elimination you know eliminate all of these women maybe get two or three pinfalls or I guess it would be two pinfalls since there's only five a couple pinfalls under her belt wow she's making a run she's gonna win the title. Bailey lets someone else pin her, and then once like Lacey or Naomi pin Sasha, Bailey rolls them up for the one two three. You book it that way. Now you have Sasha kind of angry that Bailey let that happen, and you have your build for Summerslam, and you have Sasha Banks go over Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship at Summerslam in Boston, assuming it happens. So that is how I would book that. But we will get into a complete WrestleMania thirty six preview uh, on Thursday. We will also have instant analysis of WrestleMania thirty six immediately after day two on Sunday night. Don't forget, we also have that AEW and NXT show coming. It's either going to come late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, but very soon after those shows go off the air. Thanks once again to everyone for listening to this edition of Getting Over. Thanks again to Seth Rollins, the Monday Night Messiah for joining us as the first interview here on Getting Over. Don't forget, hit up Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen, drop those five-star reviews. You know it's all about the five-star Follow us on Twitter, at GettingOverCast. You're going to find out at ASAP when every episode is released. And we talk wrestling, you know, between the episode releases as well. So every reason to follow that account. Again, show's coming Wednesday night, early Thursday for AEW NXT. Thursday, Ultimate WrestleMania 36th preview and instant analysis sunday night immediately after WrestleMania is over so for chris who joined me earlier in the show for seth rollins once again our first guest this is the silver king adam silverstein and i just got three words for you bye for now